From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. From perusing old-fashioned blueprints to dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, Mortensen Construction's Rich Bistadu has pretty much done it all on a construction site. Now, after nearly 50 years with the company, he's calling it a career. Bistadu joined Mortensen in 1972 as a carpenter apprentice and rose through the ranks to become a superintendent. During that time, he worked on projects that include the Hennepin County Medical Center expansion in Minneapolis and other notable healthcare jobs. In the following interview, Bistadu talks with reporter Brian Johnson about what led him to a career in construction, how the industry has changed in the past 47 years, the increasing focus on safety, and on his plans for retirement. Well, Rich, thank you for thank you for joining me today. No problem, no problem. So, as what I understand now, you're uh, hanging it up with Mortensen after what is it, 47 years on the job? Is that right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, it goes by uh, faster than one thinks. You know, you think after five, ten years, it's a long time. You think, wow, twenty's a long time, and thirties a ways, and all of a sudden you think, well, geez, I just did that yesterday, and actually it was five years ago. All of a sudden, boom, you're there. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a run, that's for sure. Yeah. And um, uh, so, did you did you think about maybe maybe I'll just hang in there for another three years and make it an even fifty, or were you sure that this was the time to go? Well, I guess yeah, fifty would be a nice round number, but I don't know. I guess you know I'm I'm sixty six, uh, so I guess you know obviously you know you think back to your family history. How long did your brothers and sisters and folks uh, live? And you think, well, am I the exception? They seem to go fairly early, and uh, I'll live a few of my siblings already. So it's kind of like, well, maybe I should enjoy what I got. And so you know, I think I think it rounded off pretty well. So I you know. I feel I made the right decision. And yeah, then the well, other thing is, you know, yeah. you got to leave room for the other guys to, to, you know, I don't want to be the only guy to, you know, horn in and take some of the nice jobs downtown. You know, somebody else deserves a, a chance at that stuff as well. So I guess uh, someone made room for me years ago, and I guess it's time for me to make room for someone else. Well, there you go. It was a, a, a great run, obviously, and uh, they must have treated you well there, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Mortensen, uh, you know, it has been very respectful for all the employees, you know, myself included, obviously, and took very good care of us. And, uh, you know, everything was, you know, very, very professional. And uh, it was you know, a family business when it started, obviously, you know, before I got there. But, uh, you know, it was run with the highest integrity. So, uh, boy, there's nothing I could say that we were really, you know, uh, mistreated. Any, I mean, we, we worked hard but we were rewarded well and we played hard, you know, back in earlier days, we had, we had a lot of fun all the way through, no doubt about that. Well, great. So, yeah. So tell me about what are some of the different, uh, um, duties you had over the years and particular, uh, well, it was kind of a strange way that I got, uh, 
employed by Mortensen. You know, actually, I started in '72. Uh, I worked uh, for my first uh, nine months to a year uh, with a a framing contractor. I was, you know, I came out of trade school. And I figured, well, I'm gonna build houses. That's what I want to do because right? I had, you know, previous experience in you know, prior four or five years work with uncles that were carpenters and uh, around the countryside out here. So. Mm-hmm. Growing up as a teenager, I helped out quite a bit. Of, you know, so I think, well, I'll go to trade school, I'll be a carpenter. So I got on with a framing contractor. And back in those days, back in the early 70s, wintertime came and uh, pretty much they shut down a lot of these job sites because they didn't, they didn't heat anything back in those days. You, know, you couldn't build anything in the wintertime. And mm-hmm. you were off for a couple months. So as long as I was off, I, you know, I stopped at the uh, carpenter hall. And I said, well, is anybody looking for carpenters? And they said, yeah, we got a, we got a call here uh, if you want to report to this job site over here. So that's kind of how I joined out in Mortensen. I just answered a, a call from the hall, and and uh, who would have ever thought it would have turned into what it did. <laughs> yeah, right. So so that was quite interesting. Yeah. So what did your what was your official uh, role with the company here to, at the beginning, and then uh, how did that evolve through the years? Well, at first, obviously, I think I was, uh, when I joined, got on with the Mortensen, I was a second year carpenter apprentice. So I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I finished up, you know, as a carpenter apprentice and then the next three, four or five years, whatever it was, as a carpenter. And then I guess uh, turned into a carpenter foreman, then a couple of years as a carpenter foreman, then uh, I guess uh superintendent after that. So I just kind of, you know, learned it from the, the ground up, as they say, and Mm-hmm. put my time in and kind of learned a little bit about everything and uh, I guess uh, willing to step forward and take on the responsibility and uh, one thing led to the next and of course at that time you're pretty young you think you know everything and yeah I can handle that so mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah, and then you look back at it you say well my god it really didn't know as much as I thought it did but mm. but anyway uh, yeah that's kind of how it started so uh, carpenter apprentice to carpenter and uh you know, carpenter foreman, then into the superintendent's role. Great. So it's uh, been quite a quite a run. So I think I got about 38, 39 years as a superintendent. So, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know, I like to tell some of the younger guys, it's uh, you know, in order to get experience in all these jobs, you know, a lot of these buildings are not all the same. You have uh, you know, like a parking ramp. You know, it's all concrete. It's mm-hmm. PT cables, post tension cables, mm-hmm. and uh, not everybody does that. You know or have us a chance to do that type of work. So, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. I worked a lot of concrete jobs early on, and then it turned into, you know, some precast panel jobs where they put them precast, you know, and that's a whole other animal. And then, you know, we did uh, other concrete structures that were, I'm not sure if you're familiar with all the terms, but Pan and Joyce, which was poured-in-place concrete that serves as your columns and your beams and your floors. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, then there's other buildings such as the building that just, you know, came from the Minneapolis Public Service building, which is a combination of uh, concrete package come out of the ground, and then it turned into structural steel after that. So then you have your steel, your columns, your beams, your composite decks, and, you know, different types of facade versus, you know, glass versus masonry. So mm-hmm. by the time you get to be, you know, somewhat maybe efficient at it, you know, all of a sudden it takes, uh, you know, three or four buildings of each style next thing in the whole place god by the time you think you're kind of rounded out it does take 25 30 years to have that type of experience laid upon you mm. so it's uh, a lot of different things out there that the guy picks up on yeah i imagine uh things have changed a bit since you started in the early 70s huh what are some of the changes you've seen over the years you know uh i guess technology is one thing uh you know as an old guy you don't i'm pretty much uh 
paper orientated. I like mm-hmm. visual aids and such. And uh, like I jokingly tell some of the guys at the end here, I have not had a plan table for the last five years. Where all these years, as we were, you know, coming through the uh, business, first thing we did when we got our trailer set up, we rolled out a set of drawings. Well, nowadays everything is on a computer, and uh, and you look at all your plans on the computer, and uh, you have an iPad with you. You can, you know, take it out in the field with you, look at what you're looking at, mm-hmm. or hit the printer button, print out the page that you want. But the days of carrying around the big rolls of drawings are uh, is history. It's mm-hmm. kind of different. <laughs> yeah. Do you miss those old drawings sometimes? In a way, I, like I say, I'm still, uh, I think I could flip the pages as fast as anybody else, kind of read the notes and uh, follow the keys and the progress back and forth. And mm-hmm. again, you know, another thing with all the various architects that you work with in town, everyone's got a little bit different way of uh, drawing their drawing. So I spend a lot of time with, I think, uh, BWBR drawing. So pretty much, uh, you know, if there was a, a wall detail or a section detail, I pretty much knew which sections of page it was going to be and i could rifle through them pretty fast mm. well a computer you can still get there but uh yeah i did kind of like the paper thing yeah yeah <laughs> well so and what, then with the uh yeah go ahead i was going to say with the paper you know years ago when uh we had an issue okay say there was a dimension missing on the drawing we couldn't find a measurement or whatever it was we would call up the architect and say okay i'm on page blah 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 mm-hmm. i can't seem to find a measurement or whatever well they would you know, take the time to develop that measurement and call you back, and you would just kind of write it on your plans, and you would initial it. Okay, I talked to, you know, Joe Blow on such and such date, and this is where I got the information, and you put it on your drawings. Sure. Well, nowadays, everything is on a computer, so uh, if you want to get some information, something's missing, well, now we, you know, if we send in an RFI, you know, a request for information, and mm. it goes to them, they email it back and forth, and it'll... And then it gets put on the next set of drawings. So it's mm. it's a little bit different way of doing business. Mm. Because uh, years ago one day, uh, you know, one of the first questions you would ask when you have a subcontractor show up on site and begin work with you, you know, do you have the latest and the current drawings? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 25, 30 years ago, the foreman would show up and say, here I am, and he's got a roll of drawings underneath his arms. It's the same drawings that his estimator or project manager used for a takeoff three months prior. Mm. So by the time you really got to the job with it, you know, half of your information was already wrong. So mm. <laughs> it was a little challenge. You'd make sure everybody had the right information at the right time where nowadays with the computers, it's pretty much instantaneous that you have the mm. proper information. Saves on a, saves on a lot of errors. So right. it's, it's, it's been for the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Good. Yeah. Well, what, what are some of the more notable projects or challenging projects that you've worked on over the years? Does anything stand out? Well, I, th- <clears throat> excuse me. I think uh, you know, obviously, the one down downtown is a different uh, different environment. Working downtown, it's kind of a I don't know, 24 hours a day. Not that we work 24 hours a day, but you have to pick your time slots when you can effectively, you know, do something. Like uh, we just did. Uh, Hennepin Healthcare here a couple of years ago. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much we were built tight to the curb, sidewalk to sidewalk, all the way around, all three sides. And on the last side, there was an old apartment building we had to work around. So mm-hmm. you cannot always get a road permit to, uh, you know, service your, you know, bring in your concrete, your materials and such. Mm-hmm. So on that particular job, in order to be, you know, effective with our concrete, if you could just imagine, and okay, a concrete port that you have, uh, you know, four or 500 yards of concrete, mm-hmm. I can't afford to have that 
line of concrete gets stalled in a in a concrete uh, in a traffic jam somewhere. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen to us, right? <laughs> yeah. So we uh, kind of got into the routine of we would make a lot of our concrete pours. We would start like you know either two, three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and that way our concrete trucks, you know, pretty much they could drive through downtown uninhibited, whatever, with no traffic, get in place like we needed them. We could place our concrete, and next thing you know, we got all our concrete in by seven o'clock, and uh, the world is good. Mm-hmm. So a uh, different environment when you're downtown. Yeah. Well, it's pretty wide open downtown here now, but obviously for different reasons with the whole COVID-19 thing going on. Yeah. Did you, uh, when, uh, when was your last day or, uh, or have you already uh, Officially, wrapped? officially it was April 29th. Okay. So you got in on some of the COVID-19 stuff here. Yeah. So the last month, uh, you know, the last, you know, four or three, four weeks, I pretty much uh, worked from home on a computer and on the mm-hmm. phone here and, uh, just part of that uh, first couple weeks of that COVID-19 virus when that hit. Mm-hmm. We were just in the plans of uh, how to separate our crews. So we were, you know, on the Minneapolis Public Service Building. At that point, we had about, uh, you know, 350 to 400 workers on site. Mm-hmm. And when they told us, oh, geez, here's some of the rules and regulations that we should try to adhere to, you know, how do we separate that many people? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, started that at that point, starting designating different floors, different areas for lunch tables and breaking things up and mm-hmm. how to increase our uh, sanitation process with all of our biffs and our lifts and such. Mm-hmm. And then all the, the lifts that we use, uh, such as the uh, what we call the skip, the band lift to get people up and down the building. Typically that thing is loaded with 25, 30 people. Well, now we got to tell them to take the stairs rather than ride the lift. So mm-hmm. it was quite a, quite a hardship there. Yeah. Well, it's been a big adjustment for everybody, I, and I'm sure I'm glad that they're still letting this construction work happen. Though it's um, keeping keeping some uh, keeping people employed and uh, keeping some good projects moving along. So yeah, we were always kind of nervous about you know someday they may tell us to shut down the job site. We were always you know we had a plan put together. It took us maybe the first week or week or two to kind of continue to adjust our plan a little bit what would we do if they told us to stop how would we wrap it up how could we you know the building did not have a roof on at that time mm-hmm. how could we walk away from it and not sustain damage you know in case it rained uh, two or three inches of water or snow or whatever so mm-hmm. we had contingency plans okay how would we do this so we uh put a lot of thought into uh what we would do if it did come to that and uh, you know thank the lucky stars that never did i guess so okay. we were able to continue on yeah did you work on any of the big stadium projects here that Mortensen has done? Nope. I guess uh, I've not had that opportunity to work on any of the, uh, the sports stuff. I was kind of their, uh, you know, maybe uh, I'm not going to say the healthcare expert, but I did a lot of healthcare work. So I probably spent, uh, you know, off and on different through the years, probably 25 to 30 years in and out of Abbott hospitals doing various, uh, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare projects. You know, either additions or remodels. Uh, I can't think of how many OR rooms I put together through the years and CV labs and EP labs and uh, all the various technologies that came around, such as the MRIs and, uh, mm. uh, you know, items of that nature. So that was always kind of a challenge. You know, like sure. I like to kid the guys about the sports arena. You know, you got a big building, but obviously it's, it's just the outside perimeter. The inside's hollow. You go to a hospital and look at all the stuff we have in the middle here, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. They have their own set of challenges, don't they? Those yep, healthcare yep. projects. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
And then a lot of times in healthcare work, you're you're doing a lot of the work when you know there's somebody uh, in a surgical you know room right alongside you. How do you keep it soundproof, clean, dust? You know how do you contain everything? So you know, the healthcare work is uh, pretty darn challenging. It takes uh, you know some special uh, you know guys to work with you there to kind of manage that. And I think Mortensen, we've uh, have a pretty good reputation around town about uh, you know we're the guys that can do the healthcare work here pretty efficiently and under pretty much any condition that you uh, lay out in front of us we can we can accomplish it. So I remember there's one job down in Burnsville, uh, uh, Fairview Ridges. You know we added two floors of a hospital on top of an existing hospital and you know kept in them on operation. So when you think of all the things that you need to do there, such as move all their fence, their stacks, their handling units, everything up, and, you know, extend your elevators up and never miss a beat, never shut down your elevators. You know, it was quite a challenge to pull all that off. So I'll say the healthcare work is uh, pretty darn challenging. Yeah, well, thank goodness for those healthcare workers and, and for those of you who uh, worked on uh, on their on their facilities as well. So. Well, yeah, I'm kind of glad they're there now, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But, well, you know, probably one of the other biggest changes, I'll just, if you wouldn't mind, just one more little comment on sure. maybe uh, uh, safety. Uh-huh. You know, everybody looks at this construction as kind of a, you know, kind of a roughneck type business. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, you know, I'm sure when I started, it was probably pretty good compared to what it was back in the 40s, obviously. But mm-hmm. as time, uh, you know, went on, I think uh, all the employers in town, and I want to say, I think Mortensen kind of took the lead on this more himself there, I think it was back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. He had uh, taken the vision to say, no one will get hurt, committed to a zero injury. There's never any reason for anybody to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So he had that uh, philosophy, and he kind of ingrained that down at everybody in, in Mortensen there. I think we kind of led to pretty much the uh, Minneapolis uh, scene with our safety, the way we approach safety and uh, took care of everything. So I yeah. think uh, I just want to make sure that was notable because that is one big thing. I remember when I first started, it, there's, I don't know, <laughs> i have give you one uh, sample. So when I was a young guy mm-hmm. up on top of a building trying to get a crane to, you know, land some material up on the roof, I'm up there just flailing my arms around trying to, you know, some would signal him to, you know, lower the boom, let down the line, swing left or right. I had no idea what crane signals were other than I'm just up there wiggling my arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next thing you know, the engine turns off in the crane. This operator steps out of the cab, and he uh, commences to yell at the top of his lungs uh, a lot of blue uh, blue words at me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get down on the ground. He grabs me by the arm. He drags me over to the side of the crane. He says, you see all these hand signals on this crane? Blah, blah, blah. He kind of commits to give me a, you know, a first-hand education about how to direct a crane. Mm-hmm. So you look back at it nowadays, I mean, you wouldn't even attempt that, you know, to have somebody out there trying to signal a crane without any proper training. So yeah. training has been a, been a big resource for us. So uh, yeah. keeps keeps everybody safe. I, you know, I mean, you never want to be that guy where somebody gets hurt on your job because, I mean, in a way, Anybody that's on my job, I feel, you know, whether it's right or wrong, it's like, hey, they're my guys, they're my, they're just, they're like my family, you know. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Why would I want to see somebody go home? Why would I want to give him a job where he could get hurt or not give him the tools or whatever it takes to get his job done safely? So mm-hmm. take that pretty personal. We'd never want to see anybody get hurt. So when you do see these, you know, things that happen from time to time in the media, I shouldn't say media, but, you know, you hear it on TV and radio and stuff that somebody got hurt or a trench collapse, you just think, Whoa, that could have been us, or what? The, what did they do wrong, or what should they have done? So, 
I guess, you know, that safety has been a big change for us through the years. We uh, take that pretty, pretty serious nowadays. Yeah, they've come a long way, that's for sure. I mean, just uh, yeah. it's kind of a history buff. I read about some of these projects way back when, like the building the Panama Canal and things like that. And holy cow, they've sure come a long way in terms of uh, oh, God. safety yeah, since how many then, guys that's for sure. Fell, fell in the concrete, kept on going, or just whatever they did on the dams and this or that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of at your own wits way back when. Yeah, so, right. You know, we've come a long way. And then uh, even just the, uh, you know, another thing, you know, back in, the, you know, when I started in the 70s, as far as, you know, female participation or minority participation in the mm-hmm. trades, it was pretty much a white uh, white man's game, uh, you know, however you want to put it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the past few years here, the last 15, 20 years, we've really encouraged, uh, you know, a lot more participation with everybody here, and it, it helps. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring a lot to the table that we were missing before. So I'm kind of glad that you know, our eyes were finally opened. There, I mean, there's uh, gals out there that can do just everything just as good as the guys can nowadays. It's no longer brute force. I mean, there's a tool for everything. You don't have to be a 300-pound, 6-foot-tall guy to, you know, move this or that around. There's plenty of things that, uh, you know, our female counterparts can do just as well as us. Lay out, snap lines, plumb up a column, you know whatever it takes, trim, you know, install countertops. I mean, they're every bit as adequate as we are, so it's kind of good to see them in there. And then the other thing, you always think to yourself, well, now that I have, you know, kids and grandkids, well, how would I want my daughter to be treated on a job site? So so next thing you know, you're thinking about, hmm, yeah, I guess we didn't do the right thing 40 years ago. Nowadays, we better clean our act up. Oh, (laughs) there is a place for everybody. (laughs) No question about it. And I have yeah. I have three daughters and a son, and uh, I know some of my some of my girls, like my 13 year old, were just watching her climb those trees and doing all kinds of physical activities. I, I I'm sure that she could handle herself on a job site uh, just as well as any of the boys could. So yeah, absolutely I appreciate that. Um, what what would be your advice for some of the young people who are um, considering getting into this line of work? You know, uh, it's kind of a, I don't know, a comment. Uh, I went to a, uh, oh, a career day. Uh, this is probably, I don't know, I think back probably, you know, 15, 20 years ago maybe already. When my kids were in high school and, uh, you know, had a career day and uh, <clears throat> they asked, uh, you know, anybody that they want to bring in their you know, mom or dad to talk about things, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I said, well, sure, I'll go and I'll talk about the construction industry a little bit and, and, uh, you know, when you went to the classroom there and, uh, it's almost like there's a preconceived, con- you know, idea out there that construction workers are maybe a little, you know, I'm not going to say uh, off the wall or a little bit, uh, uh, you know, not as smart as everybody else, but I can recall walking into the room where all the, you know, the guys were sitting for, uh, for me to have a little chat with. And as I look around the room, it's, you know, there's about 15 guys in there, and you can tell they're the ones that the teachers, you know, thought that, hey, you better go listen to this guy about construction because you're probably not smart enough to go to college or whatever it may be or do something different. So I had to kind of rub me the wrong way. Yeah. So as I'm talking to all these guys in, the, in this room and saying, hey, uh, you know, you got a couple years left in your, in your education here. Trust me, I'm using math every day out there. How many yards of concrete, you know, how many, uh, you know, boarding materials or whatever. I mean, I'm using math trigonometry every day in what I do out there. Mm. You're just not out there leaning on a shovel and saying I'm a construction worker. And then the things that we do, you know, we're t- working up in the air, we're down on the ground. 
everything we do is, you know, our life depends on it. This is not really a, uh, uh, a job to take lightly. So there's a lot more merit to it than people understand. Mm. So uh, I always kind of felt kind of bad about that. But then I think back, well, if I'm a high school teacher, you know, I went to college to be a teacher. I probably have never been exposed to the treads. How would I know what they're really about? So it's kind of one of those things, uh, you know, kind of self-fulfilling here. If you'd ever know it, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. But if anybody ever has an inkling to get into the trades, it's a very, very good way to, you know, to make a good living nowadays. I mean, our, uh, you know, wage packages, benefits are as good as any company out there. And I think actually we probably get paid more than most people out there. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, we do work in some pretty uh, severe conditions. I mean, the weather has always been a, kind of a, you know, a real uh, butt kicker, I guess. Mm-hmm. Summertime, there's probably a week or two where it's just right. Other than that, it's too hot or too cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh I do feel that the young people, you know, there's so many people that are not exposed to it. And as you look through the trades, you know, that I've been out there, you know, you know, 35, 40 some years, uh, pretty soon I'm seeing the sons of these guys or grandsons of this guy. Well, it's almost like it's, you know, it's passed on as a family tradition, which mm-hmm. is, which is good. Yeah. Obviously that means, you know, the old, the old man was pretty proud of what he did. And by God, my son, I want you to do this as well. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of technology out there. You don't have to swing the hammer. You might be the guy that's the field engineer. You might be the project manager, or you might be a purchase agent, or you might be this or that. Mm. But there's a lot of things in the background that uh, go with construction. It's just not, like I say, the guy swinging the hammer. But then again, uh, I'd like to be the guy that swings the hammer and can read the drawings. I want to do it all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it can take you in a lot of different directions, can it? I've heard Absol- that, too. Absolutely. That's a, that's that there's a there's a big upside to that for sure. Um, so well, is there anything else, Rich? Uh, we covered a lot of territory there, and it's it's been great chatting. Um, what do you what I guess I should ask? What are your plans now uh, in retirement? Well, I guess I've always kind of considered myself a carpenter, so I guess I love to work with wood. So actually, as, as we're speaking, I'm out in the garage working on. The, uh, I do a little wood carving here at. The last 15, 20 years, I picked up on wood carving, so I carved fish and ducks and loons and uh, all kinds of weird stuff out in the garage here, duck calls and stuff like that. So I got a lot of hobbies on the garage, keeps me pretty busy. So yeah, there's no shortage, no shortage of that stuff. And then there's always one of the kids or grandkids that need something. So yep, all of a sudden you come become valuable again. <laughs> Sounds great. Keep you off those golf courses. Keep you doing yeah. something. There you go. <laughs> All right, Rich. Well, thank you for your time, and and, uh, uh, congratulations on a wonderful career. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.